Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, I love the 1115 service so much. You guys are awake. You guys are a little bit hungry in your stomach. You guys are the best. Let me just say that. But, you know, I know we've stated it a lot, but obviously this week is the best time of the year. One of them, Thanksgiving. And um, I really believe it just leads us to a place that we just need to be for the rest of the year. Um, But I've been thinking through all my Thanksgiving rituals, if you will, and I've come to find out that there's two people in this room. One is the people that believe November 1st might as well be December 1st, and that it starts with Christmas. So you've already got your tree up. You already listened to Christmas music. Who are those people in the room today? Make some noise. Be proud. Yeah, you're the December people. But then there's my people. And you guys, like me, believe that Thanksgiving deserves its moment. The food deserves its moment. The stuffing will stuff my stomach. Amen? You guys are my people. Thanksgiving deserves its moment. That's um, Pastor Wayne's favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Bless him, Lord. Um, But then there's also some people who feel like Thanksgiving food isn't good because if it was, we'd eat it every day of the year. But since we only eat it once a year, it's not that good. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I believe that it's so good that we just need to preserve it for the one day. We can really see how special it is. Are you with me, church? No, but I've been thinking through the years about little things that I've done during Thanksgiving, and I actually busted out laughing when I remembered one of me and my friends' things that we used to do back in the day, back in the day, a few years ago, in our peak menace phase, where we would gather around in someone's living room at this, like, fold-out table. We'd have a Friendsgiving, and, you know, all of us lived in tiny apartments that people shouldn't be allowed to live in because they're so small, but we made it happen. We, We put a bunch of chairs around a table, And we just thought it was the funniest thing to start Thanksgiving with, tell me about what you're not thankful for. Why did we do that? I don't know. We just thought it was hilarious just to get that vent space. And we'd say things like, oh, let me tell you, I am not thankful for Florida drivers. They don't know how to use the turn signal that God gave them. Or you would hear things like, I'm not thankful for that coworker down the hall because she's a Karen and everybody knows it. She knows she's a Karen. She doesn't care she's a Karen. And we'd all just join in like, yep, we all, we all got them. We all got the Karens. I would probably say something like, I'm not thankful for the Starbucks by my house because they never have oat milk. Why is it so hard to just order more oat milk? But I guess it's hard. Or some of you might be in the room and you're like, I am not thankful for the way my spouse brushes their teeth because they just gag in the morning so loudly. And yes, that is my experience this morning while we're getting ready for church. I'm like, Bobby, get it out. Get it out already. Um, But yeah, so many weird, we would always end though on the right note. We would always end on the right note and be like, okay, for real though, what are our reasons to be thankful? And we'd always end up crying by the end of it. Because there is just so many reasons for us to be thankful. Amen. But I actually, as I was thinking about that terrible game that we used to play, 
I thought about the way the enemy works and schemes in our seasons of faith. And I actually think this is a game that he loves to play with our mind, especially in the wilderness seasons. He loves to come in and trick us that God must have left us here. God must have forgotten. God must have broke me just to leave me. But can I tell you the truth? That God does not know how to waste seasons. God does not know how to waste our time. He doesn't know how to waste pain. Everything that God has in his possession that you have surrendered to him, he will always turn it for his good and for his glory. Amen? But there's seasons of faith, right? You might not be in one right now, but it actually is a part of our faith sometimes to walk through the valley, walk through the wilderness. And some of you are even feeling that way right now. Wilderness seasons can look like silence. You feel like you haven't heard from the Lord in a long time. They can feel like barrenness, feeling without hope. Sometimes it feels like you're just so spiritually dry. You just haven't had a radical encounter in a long time. But there is some truth that I just want to speak over the room this morning about the wilderness season. Because God would never break you, not to bless you. He always has a blessing on the other side. So, yes, there's a lot of obvious reasons to thank God. But if we dig a little bit deeper, I believe even in the dryness and in the pain and in the hurt, there is always a reason. There's always something God is doing. And I love that about God. I love that. But there's some truths about the wilderness season that I want you to hear this morning. First of all, the wilderness is God's unlikely path to promise. So if you find yourself in one, let me tell you, it's actually on the way to a promise that God is bringing into your life. Do you believe that? The wilderness is, you still are going to be led by the Spirit. He didn't leave you. It's not going to be void of His presence. It's actually on the way to a promise. So another thing I believe is that we're actually better off going through the wilderness. There's a depth that happens. There's a growth that happens. There's a development that happens. So you're best off thanking him for it. And don't wait until you're out. Start right now. Find the reasons. Find the growth. Find the things that God, are do- God is doing. And I promise you, you're better off going through it. And you're best off being grateful for it. Amen, church. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd love for you to open it with me and read with me. We're going to start in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. This is a verse that God recently highlighted to me. It's actually during the hurricane, and we were without power. (laughs) Does anyone remember that? How long ago was that now? A month? Last week? I was reading my Bible. We literally had no power. I was, like, having a flashlight, and... In every sense of the word, like, God illuminated this passage to me, and it jumped out at me. I knew that I had to bring this word for you this morning. So go to Isaiah 43. Um, It's actually, the context of this verse was a prophetic message from the prophet Isaiah to a people of Israel to let them know, hey, you're actually about to be exiled again. You're about to be displaced from the land that you were promised, but it doesn't come without a message of hope. It doesn't come without the announcement that God will still be good. And I actually think that's a word for us today. So as we read this message of hope, I want you to receive it. I want you to highlight phrases that you can hold on to because this is a message that still resonates with us today for the seasons we go through. 
Isaiah 43, 16 says, This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I've formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise, that we might proclaim his praise. And there's a phrase that I want us to hold on to for every single wilderness season that you might face, that he's the way in the wilderness. He's the streams in the wasteland, okay? Which for us means that it doesn't take us exiting that season for him to be good. Some of you are praying away this season when he says, I'm actually right in the middle of it, and you're missing what I'm doing. But God's promise is that there's always a way. There is always streams of living water to be tapped into. So stop waiting for God I had to exit to find you. No, he's promised his presence already. He's making a way even when it feels impossible. Do you receive that this morning, church? And that's a promise that even the very dry ground you're standing on, even the things that are hurting you right now, even the things that you keep questioning and going back to, it's actually going to be that same spot, that same moment that he's going to show you breakthrough. He's going to show you miracle. He's going to show you who he is to you. So can we just pray over that word real quick? God, I thank you for this word that you're speaking to us. It's a message of hope. You spoke it long ago, but God, we receive the hope that is for us today, God. You're not wasting anyone's time. You're not wasting anyone's season. You're right in the middle of it, God. So would you just open up our eyes to see you here? Amen. Amen, church. Thank you, David. Lovely keys playing. Very lovely. But I want to talk about this morning, um, has anyone in the room had some bad dating advice that they received where you're like, okay, I'm going to rebuke that and go about my way. But I actually think in the Christian space especially, (laughs) we hear the most bizarre dating advice ever. But every now and then a good one will come and you'll write it down. You're like, that's good. I'm going to take that. So I actually have one that I believe is good. So if you're dating someone, take this one, okay? Take it or leave it. But I remember when you're dating someone, you question, like, when is enough, like, when have I dated someone enough to know that they're the one? Like, when is a good enough time to where we can get engaged and move on with our lives? And I remember someone telling me once, it's actually really a good practice to just date someone for all four seasons. And then you've seen them through everything that you've gone through in the year. You get to see how they respond to situations. You get to learn their behaviors. How are they acting with family? How are they acting with friends? How are they acting in seasons of hype, in seasons of the low lows? And then you'll get to know who they are. Have you ever heard that advice? Bobby heard that advice, and he actually took it. He ran with it times four. He's like, let's just do four rounds of all four seasons. That sounds good. Brother made me wait four years. Four years. I was good. 
I was good after the four seasons. I was like, yep, seen you in summer, spring, fall, winter. I'm good. Let's get married. But it's okay. It's okay. But actually, I really think there's an important heart behind this advice. There's something significant that happens when you've seen someone and how they operate in each space. And I actually believe that there's a movement of God in each season of our faith. But sometimes I've noticed about us Christians that we're resistant to get to know him in the wilderness. In the season of our faith in the wilderness, we don't want to claim it. We don't want to receive him. We're really comfortable, and it's really easy for us to accept God of the blessing, God of the mountaintop. But we act like he's not there to be the God in the wilderness. But can I tell you, there's a way and a nature and a movement in the wilderness that is unique to that season. And some of us need to spend more time getting to know that God. Some of us, we don't really experience Jehovah Jireh unless we really experience lack. Some of us haven't really received El Shaddai, God Almighty, unless we lose the things that make it comfortable for us. Some of us need to be stripped away from what we want to receive who we need. So I'm telling you, there's a nature that is unique to the wilderness, and it's actually going to produce some of the most depth-rich moments of your faith. So stop praying it away. God is right there with you. And he's teaching you. He's actually protecting you. He's actually providing for you. And you're on the way to a promise. If you would take a hold of any of the legends of faith that you look up to and say, tell me about a moment where you really experienced the Lord. Let me tell you, they're going to probably take you back to their wilderness seasons. Because it was a season that broke them so God could come in and make them whole. So there's something significant about the wilderness seasons. So I want to talk this morning about the reasons I believe even in those times there's gratitude to be found. There's a richness and a transformation to our faith. And my point number one this morning is our most fruitful seasons are our most desperate ones. Our most fruitful seasons of faith will always be the ones in which we were most desperate for God to move. And you might be thinking, Kenzie, you sound crazy right now. I'm in my wilderness season, and nothing is being produced. Like, there's nothing possibly being produced. It is so barren and so dry right now. But there is a difference between fruit and success. And I think we hyperfixate on success that we miss the ways that fruit is being born. See, successful seasons make you a better version of you, but fruitful seasons make you more like Christ. And isn't that all we want at the end of the day? But we can't go through life looking through markers of success. Like, okay, I think I'm doing good because I see this on the side. I see this on the side. But we aren't supposed to follow our version of goodness, our version of success. We're actually supposed to go through life. And at every turn, every decision, every conversation, the question is, how is this going to make me more like Christ? There's always a decision of fruit to be made. So we have to stop looking and fixating on the versions of success. We aren't called to follow our goodness. Do you know that the Bible says God actually told goodness and love to follow us as we follow the Lord? And what that means is that he's before you, but he's also behind you, and he's going to work those things together. He's going to tie up the loose ends and write the story until it makes sense, until it's good. But we have to follow the Lord. 
and make decisions that make us more like him. And we actually see evidence of this in Psalms 23, 4 through 6. I know we've heard this verse maybe many times, but I want you to take note of what happens in the valley. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His goodness and his love follow you as you follow him. Amen? Amen. And if you even look at this verse, it starts out talking about the darkest valley. And that's going to be a spot where you're at one day. But look at what follows the valley. It says he still shepherds you. He still comforts you. He still is preparing for you. And he actually is anointing you for the valley space. So no, he didn't leave you. He's actually covering you, preparing for you, following behind you, and making it for his good. Amen? Come on, we need to receive that this morning. He leads us no matter what season we're in. And I also want to break down what I mean by our desperate seasons. There's a desperation that I think so naturally happens in the wilderness. Sometimes it's forced. Like, God, I have no other option but you. But that's actually the space we're supposed to live in in every season. It's desperation. Faith actually isn't supposed to be comfortable. We're actually always supposed to put ourselves in positions to be desperate for him. And there's a, just a level of desperation that I think happens in the wilderness that I actually thank God for. There was actually a season of my life this year where I kind of got put down into a position to just be desperate. I've been a believer all my life. I've kind of born into a family of um, believers, so it felt like I had no choice. But I actually was thankful for it because my parents were such good examples that I knew, like, I wanted my life to look like that because theirs looked like Christ. That's what happens. But this year specifically just radically changed my prayer life. It radically changed my faith. And it was actually a season I was going through where I was just praying for specific things to happen. I'm praying for dreams and desires to finally come to fruition. And it felt like every time I prayed, the opposite of what I prayed for happened. Have you been in those times sometimes where you bring your best case scenario to the Lord and sometimes, because this world is broken, our worst case scenario happens. And I got so frustrated with God. Like, why am I praying then? Why do I keep going back to you and this answer keep happening? And the Lord kind of showed me that I was kind of treating God like a vending machine. Where I'd insert my good deeds, my faith, my belief. And I thought he would just give me exactly what I wanted right then and there when I wanted it. But prayer is actually supposed to be more of God as long as it takes, rather than God as soon as possible. Prayer is actually a release to let God do his best work, not our best ideas, right? But there is a season where I just wanted to abandon prayer altogether. And I, let me tell you, it only lasted like a week. But that week, I was like, God, I'm just going to stop praying this to you because you're not answering me. But then life situations would arise, and I just felt that I, ugh, I lost the hope. Like, what do I do if I don't have hope? What do I do if I don't have my father to go to? And it just sent me back to my knees to begin to pray out loud, 
God, without your hope, I have nothing. Without your presence, I actually don't even want to do this life anymore. I need your hope, and I need your presence. And a love for prayer actually began to stir up in my heart. I couldn't get away from it. I felt like every single day I just wanted to leave work so I could go just pray in my car because it was the one space. Yes, my situations didn't change. My answers didn't come. But I found hope. And that's what prayer is supposed to be for you, church. It's a communion with your Father. It's a tie to eternal hope. That even if I don't see it in this life, thank God that hope is on the other side. Thank God that the final say over these situations is victory. Thank God I serve a God who conquered death and the grave. So sometimes when you're, when you're going through life and you feel like God isn't answering you, let me tell you, if we surrender those seasons, if we surrender the wilderness, he will shift our desperations from the answers to his presence. And we need that shift this morning. God, the answers are just not important to me anymore. All that matters is your presence. And all that matters is that I have hope to go through these difficult situations. Come on, can I tell you there's a hope for you in the room? And I pray that you would receive it right now in this moment. The next thing that I believe happens in the wilderness is that we have an incredible opportunity. We get to give the offering we can't afford. Can I tell you that's what worship was always meant to be? Meant to be an offering that costs us something. You might look up here at the worship leaders and be like, that's easy. I could do that any day of the week. But if you actually got to know these people's stories, you would know that sometimes they're giving an offering they can't even afford. Their life was anything but good this week, but we just believe that God is good no matter what. So he always deserves our obedience, our offering, our sacrifice. And in the wilderness specifically, I really believe that the most powerful praise and worship and the sweetest sound of love is given to the Lord. I thank God that worship is not because we feel like it. It's because he's deserving of an offering. Amen. And I always go back to the widow's offering in Mark 12, 41 through 44. We've always heard this in kind of the context of generosity. But God took me back to one of these lines. And it actually is a challenge for the way that we get to worship in the, in the wilderness. And I want to skip all the way down to 43. Because here we find a widow. It says she just lost the most important person to her. But she's also now poor and has nothing. So if anyone has an excuse not to go worship Jesus, it probably would have been her, right? But she knew that she doesn't live by the excuse that she lives by the truth. So she came in, she gave everything she had, and walked out with nothing left. But can I tell you, Jesus noticed it above anything else in that room that day. It actually says he was telling his disciples, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. And I love the way the message paraphrase says it. It says, all the others gave what they'll never miss. They'll never think about it again. But she came and she gave extravagantly what she couldn't even afford. She gave her all. So when you're going through wilderness and you're coming to spaces like this, can I challenge you? To give the offering of praise that you feel like you don't even have in you. Because I promise you, he will never miss a costly offering. Costly offerings are the things that get God's attention. 
He'll never miss your faith. So come into the space. Give him and release the sound of your praise. Lift both hands because he deserves it. And can I also challenge you? Give the church the blessing of you being here. Give the church the gift of your presence, even if that's all you have to give. You don't even want to get in the deepest of conversations. Just being in the room is a gift, a blessing to your church. So come anyways and give God a costly offering. Amen. My last point is this this morning. If the band wants to go ahead and join me. The last reason that we can give gratitude in the wilderness is because we are slowly but surely getting realigned by the truth. The ultimate truth. And sometimes I actually believe that pain that you're feeling in the wilderness is actually God shedding your truth and breaking it off of you. It's breaking off the worldly things that you thought would happen, and he's getting you realigned with the truth, the truth. Can I tell you that's all we need to get through these situations? But this is what my truth sounds like, our truth sounds like. It sounds a lot like, but you deserve, you deserve. You had a bad week, so you deserve to comfort yourself this way. You've been going through it. So you deserve to sit in your room all day. You deserve to just say yes to this thing one time. But all of these things are coming together, and they're actually planting a victim mentality in your mind. They're getting you to think that all of these situations you are the victim to, so you get to make the excuses and live in them. But can I tell you, a victim is not even close to what God thinks about you. We are victors because he literally already, he already claimed the victory. He already won it. So you can actually rebuke those thoughts that I deserve anything because he is always deserving because he already claimed the victory and he gave it to you. He gave it to you. So when was the last time you picked it up? He left it in your court. So you already have victory over that feeling. You already have victory over that broken dream. You already have victory over that addiction. So stop listening to my truth. I deserve, I deserve. No, he deserves. And that's what the truth sounds like. The truth will always bring you back to what he deserves. So when you think those thoughts, I deserve, no. But what does God deserve right now? God deserves my offering when it's hard. God deserves my praise when I don't feel like it. God deserves my saying no to that so I can say yes to this. Oh, he's so deserving of it. And we have to believe that this morning. God, what do you deserve? What do you deserve? That's what I want to give you. And I think sometimes in the wilderness, it feels like the enemy kind of comes along with us. And he slips us a magnifying glass, kind of exactly what Alex was talking about. The enemy loves to get us fixated on our pain and our situation. It's like a blinder is put on our perspective to just focus in on that pain. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. You feel like you're walking through life and you're just recounting the details of the things you're feeling and seeing. God, this is so painful. God, this ground is so dry. How could you ever do a miracle here? And the enemy gets us stuck in those details. But there's actually something powerful we can do when we feel like we're holding that magnifying lens. Think about what happens when light enters those lenses. 
actually what happens when light enters, it, it kind of collects the rays and brings them in together and it focuses them on such a single concentrated point that what happens, a flame is lit. No matter where you are, that's all it takes. Just to, to gather the truth, gather the light and focus on it and a flame starts. And I want to challenge you this morning that whenever you feel like you've been handed that magnifying lens to your pain, stop letting your perspective be the only thing that's looking in. Stop passing the lens to your friends to try to let them speak into the situation because they're only going to add their past hurt, their theology beliefs. No, let the truth in. Let the truth, the light into that lens And when light is so concentrated into your life, I believe the Holy Spirit flame will always be lit. If you're feeling like you don't want to go on anymore, speak the truth over that situation. Speak the truth over the situation because the flame of your heart will always be lit. And thank God for that. That's the power of his truth. And sometimes I feel like the silence can be just a breeding ground for our truth. Because we feel like, God, you're not, you haven't spoken something new to me lately. But God says, would you just go back to the truth I already gave you? This is our weapon when we feel like God hasn't spoken a fresh word. This is always a fresh word for us. Would you just stand on his truth? Stand on his truth. And there will be something lit up on the inside of you. I promise you that. And so, church, one more time, I'm just going to read this prophetic word. For you today, church, if you're going through a wilderness season, you know of a family member going through a wilderness season, I just want you to claim this hope over the situation. And I believe right even now that the flame of the Holy Spirit is about to be lit in every single heart. Amen. His word says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Wake up. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you believe that, church? That is the truth for us today. And we receive it, Lord. Would you stand with me, church? I just want to give us a a couple calls to prayer this morning. I believe God is stirring up hope in this room. I can feel it. But maybe you're in this room and I'm talking about a hope that you've never feel like you've had before. Can I tell you that hope is the person of Jesus? It's the hope of Jesus. And you can make a decision today to choose Jesus, accept Jesus, and make him Lord of your life, Lord over your heart. So if you would close your eyes with me in this room, we're just going to take a moment. And if that's you today, you want to make a decision to accept and choose Jesus. Would you just lift your hands this morning if you want to accept Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. God, I thank you for that decision. It's the best decision of your life that you just made today. And the second thing I want to call our whole church to rally behind is just to choose and accept the hope that is in Jesus and choose to surrender each season to him. Maybe there's pockets that you thought you surrendered, but as I'm speaking, you've realized that there's still is some doubt. There's still some bitterness. There's still some questions about the goodness of God. 
Can today be the day that you just surrender it? Can today be the day that you just accept that he is good no matter what? Would you just lift your hands with me all across this room as I just pray? God, I believe today that you're waking us up to the truth. You're releasing our truth to the floor and you're lighting a flame in our hearts today, God, and that is called hope. You're the way in the wilderness. You're the streams in the wasteland, God. This defeat that we're feeling is not final. We are not victims to our situations, God, but you are the victory. You gave us the victory. So today, from here on out, God, we choose to walk in that victory, God. We receive the hope that you promised us, God. And as we sing this song about gratitude, Lord, I believe that all the discouragement falls to the floor and we never choose to pick it up again, Lord. We give you praise. We give you thanksgiving, Lord. Would you receive our offering to you, Jesus? We love you and we worship you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.